Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. And I'm here with photographer and entrepreneur and a newer friend of mine, really, Easton Reynolds. Thank you so much, Easton, for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, and, and I am too, and I know I say this a good bit on the podcast, but I'm excited because we're yet again touching on another new topic for the podcast. We've done 120, 130 episodes or so now, but this is a topic that we've yet to really cover, Facebook ads for photographers. And I say cover kind of loosely because as you and I were discussing before I hit the record button, this is a massive, massive topic that we're going to try to dive into a little bit today. But we'll get there in a second. What we're going to actually do is start with something that we normally do here in the podcast with, I'm just simply calling it the lesson. And I'm curious if you'd share with our listeners, uh, as an entrepreneur, a photographer, what is the toughest lesson that you've learned thus far as a business owner? Sure. For us, it was not being intentional. And I'll explain a little bit more of what, what I mean about that. So when we first started out, we got on the knot and we were at a price point that was just under $3,000. And in the beginning, probably like the first two years, it worked really well for us because of that price point. And we also had a lot of referrals coming in. You know, There was the friend and family circle of people that we hadn't exhausted yet. And so but those first couple of years, we were paying the knot, I don't know, three to $500 a month and just kind of sitting back and waiting for leads to come in. We weren't doing anything really proactively to target our, like our actual ideal client, not just brides and not just grooms, right. but, but the actual client that we wanted to work with that could afford us, that would value you know, the service that we were providing. And so in the, in the midst of all of that, I guess what really happened is because we weren't being intentional and weren't going after it, we found ourselves going from 25 to 30 weddings pretty consistently for the first two to three years. And then we got into that fourth year and we were, we had about 10 weddings on the books and we were like, wait a second, it's February and we're just realizing this, you know, wow. <laughs> we really should have been, you know, very intense, being very intentional before that leading up to it so that we wouldn't put ourselves in that type of position. But it was a lesson that, you know, I think a lot of photographers end up learning the hard way because you don't really, you know, we're creatives first and, and we think in that creative headspace. And when it comes to running a business, that's so much more difficult for us. And so for, for Laura and I, we really, it was like a, a shock where it was like, oh my God, like we really need to actually be marketing and doing something to consistently drive traffic and, and not just, you know, just to get random leads coming in, but like our actual targeted clients. Well, and three to $500 a month. I, I don't remember. I know that we had a listing on the 
the knot when as a wedding photographer back in the day. I, I've mentioned this before in the podcast. I shot for ten or eleven years or so, but as a wedding photographer, we used the knot as more of a directory at the time. I don't think I don't think we actually ever paid for ads, but regardless, three to five hundred dollars a month is a pretty significant amount significant amount for most photographers in our industry. And then if you're paying that much and then not really getting anything of substance as far as potential clients, that's going to be pretty overwhelming to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot has changed on the Knots platform over the years. When we first started, we were paying for a featured uh, spot, which means that we would be on the first page no matter what. Well, now that same featured spot, instead of three to $500, it's $1,500 a month. Wow. And there's like five to 10 pages of featured photographers. Yep, yep. So you're not on the first page anymore. And it's like they consistently lower the amount of value that they give to you while consistently raising the prices as well. Yeah, you know, I, I, this is an interesting topic, and we could probably have a whole separate two or one or two at least podcast episodes just about this. Very specifically, as you're saying, being intentional or approaching business with a strategy because right. it's, it can be, and, and I've experienced this in business. You can you can get started in, and as you were describing, kind of get lucky, right? You you see business come in, and you're like, oh, this this is easy, and I'm getting the business, and and I'll just kind of continue to coast almost in in that space. And the reality is, at the end of the day, at least 99% of the time, probably business just doesn't work that way. You can't simply coast and expect business to continue to come in or to grow. And so it does take being intentional. It does take coming up with a strategy. And in, in your case specifically, learning how to speak to, to begin with, to speak the language of your ideal client. And this is something that we're going to get into when it comes to Facebook ads specifically in just a bit. But you know, as much as the word intentional is thrown around more and more these days, it's almost become cliche. I think it's really important for the sake of building a, a successful photography business to truly be intentional. And in this case, specifically, or in this context specifically, to think about your ideal client, think about their language, the language that they speak. And this is something we've gotten into in the podcast a little bit before. It's important to know that and to utilize that when it comes specifically to uh, running really any type of ad campaign. And again, we'll, we'll get into that here in just a bit, but that's a great uh, starting point for our conversations today. I, I love the introduction to these podcasts because you know if, if a photographer has a limited amount of time, maybe they only listen in for five minutes. We're actually at five minutes and uh, actually almost six minutes now. They, they still walk away with something of value, and this is a great value point. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. I'd love for our listeners to get to know you a bit, and, and in fact, for myself as well. I'd love to get to know maybe even something random that most people don't know about you. What would that be? So I, I'm a massive magic fan, and it is not something like, I'm not one of those people who are like, I want to go to a magic show, and I want to know exactly how to do the trick that was just done. Like, I'm one of those fans that will sit there, and I don't want to know anything about the, you know, behind the scenes, because it's such a fascinating thing for me when I don't know. And everything else in my life, I went to school for jazz guitar and music performance, and I had an entertainment company and, you know, uh, did talent buying for venues. And nothing in my life, like I always had to figure out the music. I can hear all the different parts of a song and figure out how to play each of those different things. And so I would like hyper analyze and, and try to figure it out. Yeah. And for, for me, like magic, I don't know what it is about it, but it just is like, it's exhilarating to go to a show and just see somebody like blow my mind. And then I have no desire to figure it out afterwards. <laughs> yeah, the mystery, the wonder of it. That's, that's, that's really fascinating, actually. Do you actually practice it all? Like, is this something that you do for fun on the side, learn these magic no. tricks? No, okay. 
And, no, and purposely to, too. I don't yeah. try it. I don't, I don't want to, you know, when I was a kid, my mom bought me like a magic kit. And I remember like opening this up and seeing all these different things I could use to do tricks. And I literally never didn't learn a single one <laughs> because to me, you know, as soon as I learn anything about magic, it's like, oh, well, that's not as cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting. And, and there's a there's an interesting metaphor there for me. I, I'm, I've said this on the podcast before as well, but I'm a little bit um, obsessed with relationships. What's at the root of relationships and specifically happy relationships in the romantic realm. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I've learned has carries so much significance in, a, in the success or the happiness of a long-term relationship is that mystery. Like if there's something, as much time as you may have spent with your partner that you still don't know about them, it just kind of adds a little bit of excitement and wonder to to the mix. But that's just kind of what pops to mind. But this, this is a really interesting thing. I, I find magic fascinating, but I also enjoy the, the notion of being able to learn a magic trick and then go entertain people and see the response to it. I, I love that you've maintained the mystery and wonder there. But then you also, in the, in the in that conversation, you also mentioned that you are a jazz guitarist. And that's a really cool kind of random fact. Is that something that you still actively engage in? Uh, well, it's kind of funny because there's certain things in the creative space for me. I've tried a lot of different things that I'm passionate about, but I wasn't sure if they were going to like convert into being able to make a living out of them. And so when it comes to music, like I went to school for jazz guitar music performance um, and then I had an entertainment company. And once I got married and actually had a kid, like that life is between midnight and 6 a.m. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so it's very difficult and it's a lot of, you know, schmoozing and buying drinks for the right people. And Mm. at the end of the day, the, the music industry, every song is written by like 12 people. And the deals that record labels are giving out these days are 360 deals, which means that they get a piece of everything, including the merchandise that you sell at shows, which was one of the biggest ways that performers made their money in, in the past. So uh, it's, it's interesting because when I went to school for it, to learn it, it killed my passion for it. Uh, it's like all these rules all of a sudden. And before that, there was no rules. It was my free you know, get away and just pick up the guitar yep. and play, you know, yep. that was my thing. I get and it. then as soon as I went to school for it, it was like, here's all these rules. And I was like, yeah, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> so now like I'll pick it up occasionally, but it's probably been about 10 years or so since I've really, you know, played consistently. Oh man. I, I love guitar. I, my, my youngest brother, I have three younger brothers. My youngest brother, Jeremy is, is quite a talented classical guitarist and it's something he also kind of set aside, and, and I miss hearing him play. I, I, and I, I, there's there's part of me that just wants to like kind of grab him, shake him, and be like, dude, you got to go for it. He was there was so much talent there, and it's so beautiful just to sit and soak it in and listen in. But I totally know what you mean about it losing. I mean, we were speaking about the wonder and the mystery and the excitement of magic. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, you kind of there's a there's a I guess a possibility of losing that so called magic when. Um, the the education of music becomes formalized, I guess you could say. I, I actually went to college with a minor, and, and this is kind of random, I know, but clarinet performance. I played clarinet starting in fifth grade and went all the way up into college. And I actually dropped the minor because as much as I absolutely am crazy about classical music, the focus was classical music. And I actually wanted to go more the, the route of, of kind of pop jazz style music with the clarinet, which was not something that was really and really hasn't ever been done, at least mainstream. And right. 
and and so I wanted to go that route, and that just wasn't the focus in that in that formal educational context. And so I ended up dropping it. I'll still pick up and play every once in a while, but I totally get what you mean. It's regardless, it's nice to have that that thing that you can go to that escape. Yeah. And it's it's a beautiful outlet at that. So that's that's really really cool. We talked briefly before I hit the record button about your your time with your wife. Tell us a little bit about your family and maybe how you guys like to spend free time together. Yeah. So I guess at a really young age, my daughter right now she's uh, just turned eight, and <clears throat> at a young age I started doing these daddy daughter dates with her. Yeah. And now it's like every time I get home from work, like Dad, when's our next daddy daughter date? You know. And we have some mutual things that we really enjoy, one of which is ice cream. <laughs> Heck so, yeah, man. <laughs> you know, we find like the little tiny ice cream shops that like no one knows about. We have our go-to spots. We have the, you know, cheap, let's get some ice cream days. And so a lot of what we do together, especially with that, is we'll go out and have, she also likes fondue and like the hibachi, like things that yeah. are kind of like show you know, or, you know, experiential really. Yeah. 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 Experiential kind of like eating and stuff like that. So she's, she's been eating sushi since she was like a couple years old. Yes. Like, so she has this awesome palate. So we love to do that. Same thing with my wife. We'll, we'll go on uh, dates and we try to go to new places that we've never tried the food and we'll sit there for three, four hours and just, you know, enjoy each other's time. And we try to be intentional during those times where we don't talk about anything work related or if we do, we, we do it in the beginning so we can get it out of the way and then just focus on, you know, connecting with each other. Right. Because you, you guys run the photography business together, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I totally get how that can. I mean, as much as we enjoy business, it's, it's nice to at least there's nothing wrong talking with talking about business, but it's nice to add some variety to the mix, too. And, and as much as being an entrepreneur, especially when you're with a partner and working together, um, can be enjoyable. You can also get sucked into it and it can be draining. So yeah, mixing it up in conversations really, really important. You also talked to me again before we hit the, the record button that you, you were mentioning that you guys have kind of a dedicated day where you take a day off of work. Is that, would you say that's your biggest kind of tip or suggestion, your technique for creating free time for your family? Or is there something else that you add to the mix as well? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been, that's always a constant struggle for me, I think. And I'm definitely not on top of it and don't have it perfected. But at the end of the day, we, we do try to keep like Sundays free if we don't have a wedding. But we have our education brand, and then we've got our photography brand. And so when, when photography doesn't require us, normally the education does. When education is, you know, kind of doing its thing for now, then we've got to do stuff for uh, the photography brand. And so I think that has made it a little bit more difficult to separate the time but at the end of the day, Sundays are normally reserved for that. And then we, we try to, you know, be at work by like nine and then try to end work by like five or six. Yeah. And then when I'm home, I'm trying to not be on my phone. I'm trying to be a hundred percent present. And it's one of those things, I guess, that uh, Gary Vee talks about where he like crams time because he's gone like the whole week and then that weekend, he's just very intentional with his time and makes sure that makes sure that he's fully present. Right, and that's something that that I'm trying to do. But I'm also trying to. I still feel like I'm in the first five year grind um, that people talk about. And even though it's been a little longer than five years, I feel like that fourth year where I told, talked about how you know the the leads were coming in almost on autopilot, and then we realized we weren't doing what we should be doing as far as marketing. 
And so we, it like set us back about a year from that. And so I feel like the, the moment I take my foot off the gas is it's really easy to fall into complacency. And then before you know it, you have like half the amount of weddings you had booked the last year because you were just sitting back chilling, thinking you got it all figured out, yep. you know? Yep. It's so true. I, and of course there's always a, a so-called balance that, that, that balance is a funny word, but it, and it's going to look different for everyone. But I, I'm a massive fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. In fact, I, I just started listening to his most recent book on audio. Of course, follow him on YouTube and his podcast and so forth. He is an extreme example of dedication to business. And I don't personally care to to work 60, 80 hours a week. But one of the things that I do love about him is the very thing that you talked about, which is he he goes hard at work when he's at work. And then he goes hard at, at family time when he's with family. And it's very, very focused in that sense. And yeah. I, I like that, you know, and, and to your point as well, I think it's a good reminder, at least for me, if no one else, maybe for our listeners as well, that again, you can't simply coast and expect for business to come in. I, I, I wanted to start a business or businesses that would generate passive income for me and not, not for the idea of that, for the, the simple notion of being, you know, lazy and kind of just sitting around and doing nothing, but I didn't want to have to be involved in busy work 24 seven. However, right. the caveat there is at the end of the day, that business isn't going to grow on its own. And it's really important that we make sure we do give dedicated and focused energy and time to building our business, understanding that if we let it coast, if we put it just simply on autopilot, as you say, um, it's not, it's not going to sustain us as entrepreneurs. We, we've got to put the work in. So I think there's a balance to be had there. Go hard at work when, when it's work time and then cut back and have fun. I mean, this, this past weekend, I actually had the opportunity to go to the MotoGP races with my son, Austin. Oh, very cool. I, I ride motorcycles and, and I bought him a motorcycle. He's going to hopefully start riding here in the next couple of months or so. But that was a time where we got to to go and have really focused time together. And it was nice to be able to set work aside for the majority of that time and just have have that, I guess, just really focused personal time, just simply. And to be able to set work aside and not have to think about it, not feel like I have to do this thing or that thing. But I also know that today, Monday, I'm, I'm back at it and um, I'm excited about it too. But I think that very focused personal time where I don't have to think so much about work helps clear my mind, gives me that that opportunity not only to connect with my son, but hit the reset button mentally and emotionally. And then I can dive back in hard again on Monday. And so that for me is kind of the balance that I'm working more toward now. Yeah. And I think it's a good good reminder for all of us as entrepreneurs. Yeah, I think, so the one thing that has really been changing my entire mindset and point of view on all of this is I've been going through a book called High Performance Habits, and I can never say the guy's last name right, but I think it's Brendan Bacard. Um, and when I first started reading the book, it, I thought that I was reading a book about a couple you know, habits that I could develop by doing them over and over again for a certain amount of time, yeah. and then it becomes second nature. Right. And he literally starts the book in the first chapter and goes, by the way, if you're thinking that these are you know, habits that you're going to be able to form and then they become second nature, you're reading the wrong book. These are things that you have to be intentional about and do yeah. every single day. Yeah. And one of the things that it's just a small thing, he's so intentional. He does like over a hundred things intentionally every single day. But for me, the one thing that he talked about is, you know, work and the work day can be stressful and we're terrible at transitioning from moments throughout the day. And so 
we, we wake up and then we go into the office or we get on our computer and the first thing we do is check our email and now we're on content overwhelm and we're like, oh my God, this problem and that problem, I got to put this fire out or this person needs this and you're like, ah, and he's like, don't do that. Don't, don't start with your email. And then every time that you're about to start a new task during the day, like get up from your desk, take five minutes, take a couple deep breaths and then tell yourself like, who needs me on my A game right now? And, you know, position your brain and your mind and everything to be fully present in that new moment yep. and don't let any of the things from the past moment come over. And so the biggest thing though, was he's like, when you're coming home from work and that day was stressful or whatever, you pull into your driveway at home, just sit in your car for like five minutes and just like release everything that has happened all day long. And That's then good. tell yourself how amazing the time is going to be when you walk in, in, into your house and the first hug that you give your kid or your wife or your husband. And then when, you know, a lot of times we all, especially uh, as men, you know, there's the whole, um, your wife says, Hey babe. And a lot of us will go, and he, he, (laughs) you know, and he's like, but every single time my wife says, Hey babe, I say to myself out loud, this is the woman that means everything to me. And, you know, I'm living my life so that she can have an awesome life as well. And so he just constantly fo- you know, focuses and repositions his mind on the things that are most important throughout the day. And, and I just started doing this like maybe a month ago. And it's just really, I mean, it is crazy how it can actually change everything. Goes back to our point about being intentional again. Yep, absolutely. And you know, and it's not just in business, it's in your family time, it's in your relationships with your friends and everything. Well, and, and I think about, and, and this certainly has applications, as you pointed out, both on the personal side as well as the professional side. Um, one of the things that I recommend to photographers and yet still don't do consistently enough is when if you have a task or project management system, which, which I do, I use a system called Todoist. And if you don't, it, it's easy to just kind of add items to the to-do list. And, and then you've got this, this big list that I think the best way to go about it is to add one, maybe one to three items, priority items that are proactive in nature. They're going to actually build your business to that list and focus on one at a time. Because as you say, it can be extremely overwhelming. If you open up that email inbox, for example, and you have this overwhelming sense of, of need to, to respond to this thing and that thing and take care of that. And you feel like you're having to fight fires versus really, truly being present and focusing on the things that really matter in the moment for the sake of your business. And then, of course, the same way, as you said, at home. So I, I think this is really, really important. We do truly need to be present. We'll make sure to link to that, that book in the show notes as well. Um, the other thing that you mentioned is that the importance of consistency. And this is a big struggle for me. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly actively working on it and have seen some success from it. But I'm a, a pretty emotional individual. And I think a lot of artists in our industry can, can relate to that where you know you feel up and then you feel down and you feel up and you feel down and be, and, and and there's a tendency at least for myself to respond to the how i feel and then the quality of my work or the consistency of my work or the way that i that i'm just handling life in general suffers in the, in the situations where i'm not feeling great and then i do better when i'm feeling good but then of course 
who needs and my, my business isn't going to going to function at its best. My uh, personal life isn't going to function at its best when I just simply respond to how I feel. Consistency is so important. You mentioned yeah. that he's that he's doing a hundred things <clears throat> daily, uh, habitually, and a lot of people that would, to a lot of people that would seem overwhelming. But we're talking about is a hundred, probably relatively small things. The important thing there is consistency. Doing the same things, even if they're simple, they feel small. Doing them consistently, day in and day out. And those are the things many times that make the biggest difference. And it's easy to get stuck in this, this sense of overwhelm when you, you think, you, I got to do like you know, these 10 or 12 really massive things consistently and really, really well in order for my business or my personal life to succeed. A lot of it is just being consistent in the small stuff. And so I think that's a great reminder for our listeners. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I found myself so many times where I'll, I'll walk into the studio and I'll sit down, I'll check my email. And then like three hours later, I haven't accomplished anything. Right. <laughs> you Absolutely. know, and, and, and a new email comes in, a Facebook message pops up, um, whatever it may be. I mean, I am like the worst when it comes to the small distractions. And so that's one of the biggest things that I'm trying to work on is like, if I'm sitting down and I'm going to take the next 55 minutes of the day to accomplish this one thing, I, I actually have to close out all the other windows and just do that one thing and turn my phone off and, and make sure that I'm actually fully present in it. Because for me, a simple Facebook message or an email coming in like, hey, did you send over that gallery? It's like, ah, let me just send that right now. Yep. And then before you know it, you do two or three other things. And then, you know, that whole hour is gone and you still haven't even started on the main task that you were trying to do. It's so true. Well, and that's that reactive mode that, that we've talked about in the podcast before. It's easy to react to what's happening to us. Uh, and I'm certainly guilty of it to react to what's happening to us versus proactively focusing on ideally one thing at a time where we can give our best effort and attention and energy for the best possible result and then move on to the next thing. And and that's where we're actually managing our business versus the other way around. Our business is kind of running our lives, managing us, right? Um, right. So it's important to be proactive versus reactive, to be intentional. As you said, that word isn't just a cliche. It's actually a really powerful concept as long as we're willing to consistently practice it. And uh, so this is, man, this has been a great conversation so far. We haven't even touched on on half of it yet. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's actually just briefly talk about your photography business. What what? How did you even get started in photography and uh, how long have you been in business? Yeah. Um, so actually it was my wife that started our company. She was, her dad was a hobbyist photographer. She basically always had a camera in her hand growing up because of it. And when we got married, you know, she was using like automatic mode, but, but on a decent camera. So there was a blurry background. Right. And so, you know, people were seeing these images and she got, you know, a family session request or a, you know, friend of a family's wedding, something along those lines. Yeah. She was doing that for a while, for like maybe a year. And I was like, babe, like you're really good at this. Like you should consider trying this out, you know, more. Uh, and then I bought her like her first, like real professional camera. And from there it was just like, oh my gosh, like the stuff she was producing was just amazing. Uh, and so I was still working at corporate America at the time. This was back in like 2011 ish. And then I started to assist her in October of 2012 and see if I, you know, wanted to get my feet wet, see if it was something I wanted to do with her. And if we could do that without killing each other and all (laughs) all those types of things. And then by February of 2013, uh, I actually lost my corporate job that I had had for six years was like never written up, never had anything. And they just literally fired my whole store because we were all there for so long. They wanted to bring in, talent that they could pay less money. Wow. Uh, it was bizarre, but they did it 
throughout the company pretty pretty widely, I, is what I was told. But anyway, so now I come home, and, and the funny thing is that my wife that day, I kissed her goodbye to go to work, and she's like, don't get fired today, like joking around. No way. <laughs> I come home at like 1 p.m. and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, got oh, fired. No. <laughs> yeah. So it was like at that point we had to make a decision. Like, are we going to do this or yeah. are we not? Yep. And I think we had about 20 or so weddings on the books for that year, which definitely wasn't going to be enough. And so I knew we were going to have to like really grind it out. And uh, I wouldn't recommend losing your job and then just deciding to go full time. <laughs> but that's what we did. And yeah, speaking uh, of intentionality, right? That, that's a- yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably not the best choice on our part, but yeah, it was. It, it did end up working out. Well, and, and and I'll interject there too. It's it. Sometimes we just we're almost kind of our hand is forced, right? And and we have an opportunity to either go for it or not. And right. is, is, I don't know, maybe cliche again, it, as the, the phrase is, I love the idea of jumping and building your wings on the way down, not just because I've experienced it and, and the exhilaration of it, uh, but it also, it, it's, it has an opportunity for, or the possibility of, of success. You do have to be intentional, even in that realm, and you have to be strategic, but sometimes you just got to go for it. You just got to do it. And I've been reminded of this as of late, uh, yet again, and so I think it's important. It's a good encouragement for photographers out there. Even if your business has already been launched and, and you're even shooting some, put yourself out there more. Do the thing that you know you should be doing, but you're holding back because you're like, you know what, it's not quite perfect yet, or I don't have this little detail figured out yet. Just go for it. You can figure it out. I mean, we're, we're lucky to live in 2018 with all the resources out there. You can make this stuff happen if you're even halfway intentional about it. Uh, yeah. So sometimes you just got to go for it. I, I love it. Yep. That's how we, that's how we did it. We were like, all right, well, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> and then we learned along the way and you know, that initial early success of having these weddings coming in was like, man, we're, we're really awesome at this. And then you realize, no, we weren't really awesome. We were actually getting lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's some of that, but again, you, you kind of live and learn. I mean, you're even speaking to it and you've been very transparent in our conversation so far, which I truly appreciate, but you, you live and learn. And as long as you're open to opportunities to learn, you can make the shift necessary. And again, that, that plays into this idea of waiting until the perfect opportunity, right? You, you go for it, understanding that it may not be perfect as long as you're open-minded and, and develop a certain level of self-awareness that you see where you're falling short and you make adjustments and you improve and you work at it, then you, you'll be good. And I love that, that level of self-awareness that you're expressing here. I think this is really great. So you get this, you're kind of forced, your hand is forced, you, you dive into photography together. Um, and ultimately, what type of photography brand did you establish? What's your photography business's brand position? At this point, well, our, we have like a tagline that's basically says uh, timeless elegance meets high artistry. Um, and we really tried to put that out there through everything, the colors that we chose for our website, the fonts that we chose, the images that we uh, produce, and just all across the board, we, we wanted to, there, there's a lot of attaching yourself to a current trend stylistically. And we, initially kind of went that route, but for probably the first two years, we really didn't have our own identifiable style. And it wasn't until about year three and even pushing into year four that we were like, there's just something that's not like, we're just kind of shooting and we're making these images and it's all, it's fine. But like, there's, you can't look at our image and go, that's Lou Ray photography, you know? And so we really spent 
uh, a lot of time just figuring out like, what is it that we want to concentrate on? What's the look that we love and how can we, how can we have a nice balance between, you know, emotion in images, great lighting in images, great composition in images, and um, how can we be creative, but yet also not do something that's like selective color that's going to be gone in, you know, a, a year or two. <laughs> or, or dare I say film Lightroom presets? Right. Yeah. You know, there's just a lot of, I mean, I think we can see that that is, there's no longevity in attaching yourself to a current trend. We, that's really highlighted by, um, what is it? Style Me Pretty that's closing down. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that it's because it, you know, they, they focused on a very specific niche. And, and a lot of times when it comes to businesses, that's a very important thing in order to get yourself established. But then if you don't ever expand and grow from there and you become stuck, then that trend dies. Now you're, now there's nothing left for you, you know? Yeah, I, that's a it's a really great lesson and a reminder. And I, I was really that whole thing was really really surprising to me. I'm still honestly a little bit confused because from what I understand, they're still getting millions of hits. I mean, the traffic to their site was incredible. But to your point, iteration and and change, being open to change first of all, and then actively looking for opportunity to to continue to improve and to adjust according to. Um, that the culture as it stands is really, really important. Um, for those of you listening in, lurayphotography.com is Easton's website, and we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes, but it's L-U-R-E-Y photography.com. Make sure you check that out, and you can see some examples of his work there. Uh, I have to ask you, Easton, what is a favorite camera body lens accessory. Um, I, I actually got started in photography largely because I was, I was just kind of obsessed with the equipment itself. Kind of a ridiculous reason to get into photography, but <laughs> do you have a favorite piece of gear in your bag? We only try to buy gear when it's going to make us more money. And so we have for the past probably, I mean, really since we started maybe a year in once we got out of our uh, original bodies, we have had the Nikon D750 for the longest time. Yeah. We love it with all its quirks. <laughs> we love the price point. We have, I think, six of them Wow! At, at this point. Because you can buy, you know, two and a half of those for the same price as a D5 right. or whatever. Right. And our flashes are basic manual Young-Yo um, 564s. You know, there's, there, we, try, we don't care if they fall over at a reception and break uh, as opposed to like a $500 or $1,000 flash. So to us, it's it's about being quick and efficient and being able to take whatever our vision is and make it happen. And so I would say the probably the biggest tool in our bag that's my favorite would be our MagMod modifiers. They are just so quick and easy to get onto a, a flash, um, whether it's and it gives you the ability to really control the light. And with such a small modifier, it's uncommon to have great light quality uh, with that. And MagMod just does a great job of allowing you to quickly, efficiently produce quality work, you know, in 30 seconds or under. That's really great. We'll make sure to link to that uh, resource as well in the show notes. You also mentioned, did you say Young-Yo flashes? Yeah. And are you using, are you able to set up a wireless communication system with those flashes or how does that work, especially for the reception? Yeah, they have uh, radio built in. And so you put a commander on your camera, just like you would most other flashes, but you don't have to attach a trigger to the flash. You can just, it already has the radio built in. That's so cool. Yeah. The range is great. The, the power is great. We use 
a lot of our shots are just one light setups and yep. it doesn't you know matter if it's full sun out or not we find some open shade and light them in the open shade or whatever and you met you were contrasting them with a price point of 500 to a thousand dollars with other flashes what do the young news run uh 75 bucks <laughs> no way yep and how long have you been using them uh, this is probably four years now. Wow. So you found a really great consistency in them then. Yeah, they fire every time. And the crazy thing is that Laura and I use the same two to three speed lights at our reception. So we're firing the same ones and we're able to, with the D750, keep our IS Hope a little bit higher yep. and then have our flash power, you know, under one sixteenth all the time and mostly wow. it's like 132nd during yep. the reception yep and that allows us to both be firing at the same time occasionally we'll miss a shot and then we'll yell at the other person um, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh i can't believe you got that one and mine didn't fire yeah, for yeah, it yeah, yeah. yep but at least we still got the moment you know that's really cool okay well we'll link to the young yo flashes as well um in in the show notes so our, our listeners can go check those out uh, now we talked before earlier in the conversation about the the idea of Facebook ads for photographers. And this is really our, our primary focus for today and something um, that you're involved in, in educating our industry in now. What was the first thing? And, and, and we were talking about this actually before uh, before we started the interview, the, the surprise, at least from my perspective, how little conversation there seems to be in the photography industry specifically, wedding and portrait photography, about Facebook ads. Because there's, I don't know, that I've personally experienced quite a bit of success at photographers edit with Facebook ads. And I know there's a lot of potential for photographers. Why do you think that it's not even a, a point of conversation or much of a point of conversation at this stage is, is there, is there something that photographers are missing there? Well, for what I've realized is we all loved Facebook about five years ago yeah. when we could post something on our business page and it would get a ton of shares and likes and comments and we would generate new business and, um, I think we all got too used to the fact that this free tool that, you know, somebody had given us uh, that was providing us with business was now not performing, you know, and we put all of our eggs in one basket. And so a lot of us are frustrated and a little bit hurt still uh, or upset that, you know, now no one's seeing what we post. Interesting. Yeah. You know, and instead of going, well, let me see if Facebook ads work. We all were just a little bit butthurt about it. And so yep. we were like, you know what, let's, I, I can't stand Facebook or, you know, it's so common. You can go on any of the Facebook uh, groups for photographers. And if you just ask the question like, Hey, do Facebook ads work for you guys? And everybody will just be like, no, 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 no. And uh, the ironic thing is like a lot of them haven't even tried them. And so it's like, I've found myself doing the same thing. I was saying, you know, Facebook ads, nah, they'll never work, you know, before I had really even tried to use them. So once I did try to use them and put in the same amount of time and energy and effort that I would into perfecting my technique when it comes to taking photos, um, all of us are pretty vigorous when it comes to making our work look great. But when it comes to like marketing and exploring new ways to get new leads coming in that are actually our ideal client, we don't know where to start. I, I remember just sitting in front of my computer for so long and I would just be staring at it like, I need clients like right now yeah. and the knot is not working and you know my referrals can't afford me because we raised our prices. I tried lowering our prices. I tried raising the prices. I've tried everything and it's just like, you don't know where to start, you know? What, what was the first thing that, like what was the thing that pushed you over the edge and you're like, all right, I'm going to give these a try? 
I think for us, it was that we were paying the not $1,500 a month and we were getting one like conversion a month. And what that was doing is basically discounting our wedding photography package by $1,500. Right. Right. Um, And so I, when we first signed up, I know I mentioned this, you know, we were on page one for the featured vendors and everything was great. And they gave us like an email address and you know, all this information. Now they've made it. So they want, their clients to use their not app, I guess. So all communication is started via their app. And when we respond to them and their inquiry, it goes through that app, uh, like the not email address or whatever. And so you actually had to go through a step where you had to go like reveal their actual email address and you don't get their phone number. So you can't call them. And that's huge when it, when you get a lead. And the other thing we were noticing is that they were sharing our leads with other people, with other photographers. So for instance, a bride finds or a groom finds us, they reach out via the knot. Then the knot goes and emails, you know, three to five other photographers and says, Hey, this person just reached out to this photographer and you're very similar. So you may want to also respond. And I was like, Whoa, 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 wait a second. Like, I'm paying $1,500 a month to get these leads and you're sharing them with other people. Like that's insane. Yeah. And so that's what really made me uh, start going, okay, the knot is not working. Clearly it's costing me way more money than it's, you know, being able to produce. And what it's producing is, is clients that I wouldn't necessarily um, have chosen to work with, but now I'm forced to because I need business, you know? Well, and and you don't have control over the process. Like you said, you're not able to get their phone number, for example, and, and truly manage that potential client the way that you normally would. Right. Uh, And that's a pretty significant drawback. Okay. So that, that pushed you over the edge. You start to use Facebook ads. What kind of success did you see from Facebook ads in your business? And then I know that you've been involved working with other photographers to help them with their Facebook ads. What kind of success have you seen with them as well? Yeah. So for, for me, uh, I initially got into it for education so I could sell our educational workshops and things like that. And (laughs) it was kind of funny. So if I can back up a lot further than that, I saw a ad on Facebook. Okay. This is maybe a year to two years into being a photographer, joining my wife, see an ad on Facebook, uh, for some educational course for on photography. And I click on it and it takes me to a landing page and I'm like, Oh, this seems interesting. And something about the copy on that page was like speaking to me. It was like, God, I like really feel like I'm pressured to buy here, but not in a bad way. Like this seems like it could legitimately help me, you know? And then, so I, I downloaded like a, a free, I don't know, cheat sheet or something like that. And then they wanted me to like buy a program or something. And I was like, nah, I don't want to buy the program. And then I get an email after that going, Hey, we noticed you started to, you know, check out this program in case you wanted to try it out, here's, you know, $25 off or whatever. And I'm like, how is this happening? <laughs> like, <laughs> how did they know that I was on this page? How, how are they, how is all the copy and text, like literally speaking to me, you know, all, every, every part of it, it didn't come across salesy. Yeah. It just came, it came across like, I actually need this. <laughs> you know, they highlighted the exact problems that I'm dealing with and then told, showed me the exact solution. Um, Interesting. You know, and, and I can have the solution for, you know, $49. Which, by the way, you just kind of summed up the, the, the root level approach to effective marketing, right? Present yeah. a problem or kind of tease a problem and then present the solution. That's, that's exactly. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I signed up for that and then I was like, wait a second. 
this is brilliant. Like there's an entire ecosystem of content here that's available for me to consume. A lot of things are free. And so I'm able to just, you know, sign up for these things and benefit immediately before they ask me to spend any money with them. Right. And so I was like, man, this is, this is really brilliant. Let me try this for my own workshop. And so I told Laura, I'm recording this next workshop we're teaching. She's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, and then I'm going to sell it on Facebook. She's like, right. <laughs> and uh, so then I did, I signed up for every single ad that came through my, my feed with a, I had to create a separate email address for all of the <laughs> marketing stuff that I was being sent at that point. And yeah. can't even use that email address anymore because there's so much, but I, it didn't matter what it was. I was just so curious to see how are people using these Facebook ads and um, you know, what, what about the headline is convincing me to click and what about the picture and, and, or the video, the creative aspect of the ad, why are they using that picture versus something else or that type of video versus something else? And so I just became ridiculously curious and dove in uh, headfirst to try to figure this out. And then um, we initially had a lot of success with Facebook ads after the, we launched those courses. And then I was like, wait a second, let me see if this will work for our photography business, you know? And honestly, it was a lot more difficult to generate leads for a, a service over a product, was something that I realized. And so initially when I, I did a lot of testing, I did, uh, I put out an initial like beta launch of a course and brought in a bunch of people to like get them in to like give me feedback on it and see what is this consumable? Are you guys able to like understand what this process looks like? And then we got feedback from them and then we refined it. And it has taken me like almost two and a half years now to get it to a point where it's like, okay, if you do these things, then you're going to have a lot better chance of having success with these ads than if you, you know, in the big, like did what I did in the beginning, which is I wasted like over $25,000 trying it between our photography business and our education before I finally dialed it into the point where it was like, okay, this is actually giving me like eight times the return on my investment. But it didn't come without a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of trial and error, and a lot of research, you know? Yeah, well, and, and there is, and, and it, the, the Facebook ad platform is ever-changing. That's something that we've seen as well. And not not only ever-changing in the sense that uh, the way that the algorithms, the way that they actually have that system built out continues to change, what you're able to do with it continues to change. For example, we we saw the ability to target a potential client based on their profession taken away there for a segment of time. And it's just recently been kind of slowly added back in. And, and that really made a big difference in our ability to be able to convert. But um, we're talking about the idea of running Facebook ads for a, a course or a workshop make this a little bit more practical for our listeners as photographers. What kind of um, success have you seen with photographers running Facebook ads? Um, and then what what does this mean for photographers? Should they be paying more attention to using Facebook ads for their photography business? Yeah. So on a personal level, we we don't advertise with anything else other than Facebook ads now. And there's a common misconception when it comes to marketing in general with Facebook ads. And that is that you don't need to run ads all year long every day. It's about targeting your specific client and giving them that upfront value so that you can do something like a, a model call where you're saying, you know, we want, 
we want newly engaged couples or before you do that, it's really important to give them some type of upfront value and like a, a wedding planning guide so that they can read through it and go, oh my gosh, like th- these are all these different things that I've been able to learn from this company before they even asked me to spend money. And so on a personal level, we only use Facebook ads now and we'll run uh, whenever we need more leads. So for you see, you know, 2019 is looking a little bit light for us. Then we'll start running ads now and give ourselves some time. And it's a combination of some free lead magnets that are up front. And then we also use, you know, the direct like, hey, you know, you should probably book us now after they've seen some of the other ads, which is a technique called retargeting. But for us, it's 100% that same thing uh, when we did like a family uh, lifestyle session shoot, we got like 65 leads in a couple of days. And we had normally we have to turn the ad off because you get a bunch of leads, and then you have to take the time to like go through them all. And the main part of the success of Facebook ads is your communication. Once you get the lead, it's not so much uh, getting a lead. That part's easy. You can target people that are engaged or newly engaged three months. You can exclude people that are married. You can, I mean, it's, you can target people that like chocolate chip cookies. So whatever it is, wherever these people are hanging out, whatever clubs are associated with, wherever, whatever makes them tick in life, like Facebook gives you the ability to target those specific people. And so when it comes to your the second part of your question with photographers we work with, uh, a lot of what I've been able to do is one-on-one coaching. We do like a two-day coaching session where I come and we, I learn about who you are and that's so much of it. Uh, or so much of the success is about you not just figure out who your ideal client is, but like, who are you? And because you're going to, your ideal client most likely is going to be people that are most like you. So that's, that's like the main starting point. Once you understand that, then you can take advantage of Facebook ads tools to be able to target. And so we've, we've uh, worked with a bunch of different uh, photographers in, in our two day program where we come in, we do this kind of discovery process And then we create a lead magnet that is going to speak to that person uh, or their potential client. And then from there, we ask for the sale or we get them on the phone or we do a model call, something along those lines. And we've had some crazy results coming in. Uh, One of our main case studies, Andy and Abigail, they've gotten the one main case study that we talk about a lot is they got 285 leads in five days and they were able to book 21 sessions on uh, a single day. And that whole ad campaign was for a boudoir model call. So somebody was going to win a free session or a credit amount towards a session. And before they even announced the winner, they had booked those 21 sessions. And we've done the same thing with Redwood and Rye Studios. We work with Giphy Booth, Ben from Giphy on his wedding photographer brand. There's a bunch of different people that we've worked with over uh, the past probably year and a half to two years. And a lot of it was, you know, working through the different kinks and the different demographic issues where, you know, someone's in California or someone's in New Jersey, like what, what is it about those areas and the people in those areas that want wedding photography? So I guess in a roundabout way, that's kind of the answer to your question, I guess. Yeah. Well, and and this is such a loaded topic. We, I have to emphasize that we're, we're just barely scratching the surface on a, just a massive, massive topic in Facebook ads uh, but I, I'm glad that we can at least bring this to the attention of photographers and suggest to them the the potential success that can come from taking advantage of the platform. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier that people were so upset about the fact that that 
there is less and less an opportunity to be able to reach a potential client uh, or even our existing clients for that matter organically, uh, you have to spend money on the platform. And rather than, as you say, be butthurt about it, really what we should be doing is, is again, being intentional, being proactive and looking for opportunities to take advantage of this platform. I mean, I know that I've seen in our business as much as a 10 or 11x return on spend with Facebook ads. And there's, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like money growing on trees at times. Uh, you do have to be intentional. You do have to be intelligent. You do have to be strategic. It's so, so important. But there is a really great opportunity here for photographers specifically to target potential clients using this platform. Would you say that, that Facebook ad, that the Facebook ad platform is, is, more relevant to high-end or mid-to-low-end photographers or combination of both? What, what would you say it caters to or particularly? I would say that it's easier for the lower end. It, it's just as successful for the higher end, but you've got to take more uh, specific steps. It requires you to know and understand your ideal client a little bit better. And so let me just kind of go a little bit deeper with that whole knowing your ideal client. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is good because I think we need to kind of make it practical for our listeners and uh, you know and we'll of course make sure to link to your website in the show notes, theartofsixfigures.com and there's some resources there that our listeners can kind of take advantage of um, with regards to Facebook ads, kind of learning what that actually means, learning how to better take advantage of them. But yeah, do make it a little bit more practical for our listeners. What are some 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 takeaways here, maybe some initial steps that they can take to begin to take advantage of uh, Facebook ads. Yeah. So for instance, one of our, uh, one of the photographers that we did some one-on-one coaching with, she initially goes through working with us and she launches a couple ad campaigns and she just like, they fell flat on their face. And by the way, that's normal, especially when you're first starting out with Facebook ads, most of what you do is a test. It's going to fail. Yeah. You're not going to get a hero ad on your first time, and if you do, like, uh, congratulations, keep running it as long as you can. <laughs> um, you know, it takes a lot of testing to see what the right interests are and what the right copy is that gets people to think emotionally uh, about not your service of photography, but about why it matters to them. And so, you know, we talk about uh, when it comes to like wedding uh, and wedding photography, like your messaging is super important. So when you say something like, you know, we, we create epic images, you know, that are awesome. Like, well, no one really cares, but when you can attach value to it, like, you know, hand these, you know, make sure you get this album so that you can pass it down to generation and generation. These wedding images really aren't for you. They're for your kids so that they can remember your legacy, you know, and then it becomes, you can actually relate to it. Same thing with like family, family uh, stuff. It's like moms are never in the pictures. They're always the ones taking the pictures, but th- those pictures aren't for her. Those pictures are for those kids so they can remember the family and the great times that they had. So when it comes to knowing your ideal client, one of our uh, clients that we're working with one-on-one right now, he came in and we started our initial discovery session. And I said, so tell me about the, the last time you spent more than you know three to $5,000 on yourself, not for like a new car or like your mortgage payment, but like just for yourself. And he was like, well, let me think, you know, and he's like, actually, we go on family vacations, uh, you know, a couple once, one to two times a year. And it started with my wife and I, and then we started to include our kids. And now, you know, our kids, kids are doing the same thing. And I was like, man, that's really awesome. So you guys go on these family vacations. And that's like what you all value the most together. Like it's, 
you look forward to that time all year long. And I said, so let me ask you a question. When you guys are on these trips, who's, who's taking the pictures? And he laughed and he's like, it's me. And the whole family is always giving me a hard time because I'm the one taking the pictures and I'm never in the pictures. And I was like, huh, that's a shame, isn't it? Like, think about it for a second. The thing that you value most in your life is these vacations. And the way that your kids are going to be able to look back on it is through the images that you're not in. Wow. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so it hit him in that moment. And I was like, man, he, or he was like, man, that that's so true. And, and so I was like, so what can you learn from what we just talked about there so that you can start to value what you value most? And so you can preserve that. And then how can we translate that experience that you've gone through into copy for your actual landing pages in your website? Yep. And so from there, we took it to the, to, you know, his own personal story is his website. Now it's like, man, I was for most of my life, I was doing this and I was going on these family vacations and I realized like I'm in none of the pictures. And here I am a photographer saying that, you know, you should value these pictures and you need to get pictures taken. And then I wasn't even doing it. And now I'm 55 years old and I've realized this and it's like, Oh my God, you know? So now that's a tangible story. It's super relatable. And so your ideal clients are going to be able to attach themselves to that on an emotional core level. And that's, that's really what it's all about. And so it's like evaluating you and yourself and whatever your life experience is. Because if you look around in your friend circle, you probably hang out with your friends because you have something in common with them. And you're able to relate to each other on some things, or you're able to go out and enjoy some of the same things. Right. Right. And that's very, that proves so true when it comes to attracting our ideal client as well. It starts with knowing who you are and the way that that translates on a tangible level for Facebook ads is say, for instance, you've got, you know, the David's bridles, right? Those are like, everybody knows about these bridal stores to get your wedding dress there. If you use David's bridal shop in an ad, you're going to get a bunch of people that are not necessarily attaching themselves to a specific brand that speaks and, and talk and communicates how much they're willing to invest. And so if you can do some research on a ground level and see what are the dress shops in your area that are a little bit higher end and that people really talk about. And so for us, it's this store called J West and it's actually almost right across the street from our studio. So I walked right into that store and I said, Hey, you know, we're Blu-ray photography over here. We'd love to you know, partner with you guys and, and whatnot and have you guys do a, a blog post for us on the top three things that brides should know about looking for their wedding dress or whatever. So we establish that relationship. And then when we look on Facebook, any, any business that has a pretty decent sized following, you're able to use them as targeting. So people that like Jay West, right? So number one, we can target them because they're engaged. Number two, we can exclude the fact that we don't want this ad to be shown to anyone that's married. And then number three, we can bring in things like we can actually target the people that like the knot or wedding wires pages, yeah. which makes it a little bit too easy. But then when you do that, that's going to bring in a bunch of the like $3,000 um, type budgets. If you want to take it to that next level to get to those people that are a little bit more higher end, that's when you need to actually know your client even more. And so you need to know that they shop at J West or that they go to a certain restaurant that is a little bit higher end, uh, or they hang out in a specific club like the racket club or whatever it may be. And then you target people that are interested in those things that are also 
engaged, if that makes sense. It, it does. But I, I also want to go back to, and this is, this is just really a good um, thread of conversation here. I want to go back to something that you described earlier, which was that conversation with a photographer. I think photographers, if they're looking to understand their ideal client and ultimately be able to, to communicate with their language, use their language that resonates most with that client, they need to actually make the effort to have some of these very conversations that you had with this photographer, where yeah. you, you get to know what is valuable to that client. You listen to the way that they respond, the words that they use, and of course, the things that they describe as being important to them, and then use that to translate to the type of copy that they're then putting in their Facebook ads. I think that's really, really important. But this is good. Knowing the ideal client, I mean, this is something that we've certainly talked about before in the podcast, uh, but we we have to actually make an effort, right, to to truly get to know our client. That is going to include not only sitting on your computer at home and doing a little bit of market research, but actually having some real conversation with those potential clients or maybe existing clients that that fall into that market segment so that you truly get to know them. That will then be able to, or you can then translate that to what you're doing with Facebook ads. So that's a great first step. Take us to another one, if you will. Yeah. And I think the other, the next thing that you would want to do after you know your actual ideal client is you, one of the biggest mistakes I see photographers doing when they actually try to run an ad is the first ad is always 10% off wedding photography packages or something like that. And so your, your normal, or the first ad is normally asking for the sale right off the bat. Right. And I, I like to kind of position it like this, like you would never go on a date with somebody for the first time and ask them to marry you, right? <laughs> right. It just, we, we would never do that. It'd but be yet, a little bit weird. It, yeah. But when it comes to our businesses, we do that all the time with our marketing. We just hope that even though these people have never heard of us before, that the first time they interact with our brand, we're just asking them to you know, sign up or buy or whatever. And so what we've noticed is you've got to create what we call uh, an ecosystem of content that provides upfront value to your clients. And so if they come to your website and they see your portfolio and they see your about us section, maybe a couple of blog posts about of uh, previous sessions that you've done, they don't necessarily care. You're not, you're not separating yourself from the competition, especially in your local area. And so the images that you produce draw people in. Okay. They're going to get you, get these people to the site. But then when they get to your site, uh, if you're in the wedding niche, you should have something like we have like a wedding survival kit blog post that we've done. We have a wedding planning guide that walks people through everything that they can expect leading up to the day. But we have to put ourselves, we have to become what's what the marketing world knows as becoming a thought leader. And so what, what I mean by that is if, the moment that a bride or groom gets engaged, they are now hyper aware of the fact that they've got a problem. And that problem is they have to plan a wedding and that and wedding and planning a wedding is stressful at times. And so when we as the professional are shooting weddings every weekend, our client is most likely getting married for the first time, potentially the second time. Right. And so we know things that they have absolutely no way of even knowing. Like for instance, having heel stoppers on your wedding day so that you can put them on the bottom of your wedding shoes. That way you can actually walk on grass without sinking into it. Right. Or ruining your shoes. Well, that's pretty valuable for a potential bride to know. Right. And she wouldn't know that unless we or somebody else gives her that type of information. Same thing with like, Hey, if you skip the receiving line, then you'll get, 
you know, sometimes 45 minutes back of your day to be able to take other pictures or interact with people at your cocktail hour or whatever it may be. Right. And so it's about creating that upfront value for people, putting it on the website and on all your social media uh, accounts so that the worst thing you can do is have somebody see an ad that they were interested in. And then they go back to your Facebook business page or your website to get more information about it. And there's nothing there because you have no, you have, you don't have that ecosystem of content available for them. And you talked about the idea of a thought leader. That that sounds very big. Yeah. I, I, we can make it even more practical and, and just very simply make sure that you're adding value by giving that potential client practical information. I, I was on your, your website earlier, your photography website earlier, um, and there was a little bit that pops up uh, giving brides the opportunity to download some information about how to minimize stress on their wedding day. These are very, very practical things that could potentially add value to that client or potential client. And, um, and by giving them value up front, naturally, you can draw those clients in a little bit more effectively than just kind of hard selling them up front. Um, yeah, it gives what it, it, it uh, creates what's called brand trust. And so they get the, these free snippets of information. And when they're reading through them, if they're genuinely valuable to them, now they are already a step closer to booking us just because they don't have the initial hesitations that they would between not knowing us at all. And then now at least being familiar with our brand. Does that make sense? Well, and I think it's important to, for the photographers to, to realize that this, this effort at running ads, I mean, it may even seem kind of counterintuitive actually for those listening in. They're like, well, I'm, I'm going to run ads to sell my services to this potential client. What we're actually talking about here is running ads for the sake of adding value to then, I guess, develop a, a warmer lead than if you just run the, hey, come buy our wedding photography. We're actually talking about adding value first, and it is truly valuable spend to be able to invest in those Facebook ads that are simply adding value up front for the sake of giving us a potential lead, which we can then follow up with and, and ideally, of course, then get as a, as a client. Is that right? Yeah, so what, exactly. What we're talking about, uh, or you mentioned earlier, first of all, is, is it's really important to, to know your ideal client. And, and that isn't just a phrase that we're throwing around for the sake of it, but truly know your client, not only understanding the market, that particular segment of the market as a whole, but then having individual conversations so that you get to know how they think, the words that they use, the things that they're interested in, that can translate to the type of ads that you develop. Um, and then making sure that you give value upfront, really, really important. Um, and then take us to maybe another step, making this more practical for our listeners. What's something else that our that our listeners can do as they're developing their Facebook ad campaign that will generate better conversion? Yeah, so video testimonials are like everything right now. If a if you can call up your past clients, uh, you should do be doing that anyway to see like take all your past clients that spent the most with you that were the easiest to work with that refer you all the time, you know, that upgraded in your sales session afterwards, like, and, and are still excited about it and telling everybody about it. You need to call those people and be like, what was going through your mind as at the moment you got engaged or whatever, you know, niche you're in. Talk to me about that. Was it overwhelming? Was it this? Was it that? What made you then like, what drew you to our page? How'd you find us? And then what was it about us that made you decide that you needed to move forward with us, right? I mean, these are all very basic things, but you're going to be asking these questions yep. on the phone to them. And then from there, you can be like, man, that was just, that was so amazing. Like, would you mind doing like a simple 
video testimonial about working with us, what it was like before you found us, once you found us, and then after you worked with us. Those are the main three questions. And they can do them with a uh, cell phone. Just tell them to face a window, right? <laughs> so that the light's pretty decent. Cell phone videos, people are like, oh, I don't want to do that. It has to be professional. No, it doesn't. It, it needs really to be doesn't. organic. Yeah. It needs to be raw. Yep. And and it needs to be a genuine testimony, not not a coherced you know, kind of uh, testimony. It just needs to be like, man, we are so we would do anything for you because we loved working with you so much. Um, so absolutely we'll do a video. And then when you, when it comes to videos, uh, the statistics, as far as that goes are incredible. Like if you have a video on your landing page, people are, it increases your conversions on that page by 80%. Like that's ridiculous. So if you use a stagnant image in your ad versus a video, and the video can even be a slideshow of images with a little bit of music, maybe some text in there. Uh, it's just so much more engaging. And then if you make that a video testimonial, what that's doing is it's breaking down the hesitations and inhib inhibitions that somebody may have about reaching out to you because they're listening to somebody else sell for you, basically. Well, and I love that you brought up the, the importance of the the, the raw nature of that content that you're asking your clients to, to create it, it, the, you know, those ads that are so highly produced with, uh, shall we say pretty people, I'm going to put that in, in quotation marks there. But when you look at it, something that is highly produced and um, very much rehearsed and, and it, it can come off disingenuous, I guess. And mm -hmm. so to have something as simple as a cell phone video from your clients, again, following that template that we were talking about, earlier presenting the problem this was this was the thing that i was struggling with and then presenting your brand your photography brand as the solution but so and so photography did this for me and you should go check them out that just following that very simple template will lend itself to creating really wonderful content of course from your clients not you talking it's your clients talking for you and there's a higher likelihood in many cases that 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 type of content coming from your clients directly uh, has a better effect on that ad campaign. So this is good. And and I, again, I have to reiterate the fact that this is just barely, barely, barely scratching the surface of what it means to run Facebook ads. I'm glad that we could give our listeners some some first steps to take as they begin to explore this notion of potentially running Facebook ads for the sake of uh, converting potential clients for their photography business. Uh, but then again, we'll also make sure to link to your website. In fact, if you'll go ahead and just share the website and, and social media for your brand, we'll make sure to link our listeners to that so they can learn a little bit more about what it means to run Facebook ads. Yeah, sure. So uh, when it comes to Facebook ads, uh, you can go to theartofsixfigures.com and that's all words, no numbers in there. And we have some free resources like uh, we have a cheat sheet, the top seven mistakes that photographers make when using Facebook ads. And then we have a small uh, mini course called the seven day Facebook ads challenge. That's also free. So when you go through those free resources, you'll be able to kind of get a little bit better picture of what we're talking about in, in more of a like broad overview kind of sense, you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure to link our listeners then to that website. Of course, you can also see Easton and Laura's photography brand, Lou Ray Photography. It's L-U-R-E-Y photography.com. And where can everybody find you guys on uh, social media? Uh, on Facebook, it's uh, Lou Ray Photography and uh, also The Art of Six Figures. 
And then if you're interested in uh, any of the shooting side of things, we have a group on Facebook called The Art of the Second Shot. And that's just for uh, wedding photographers to push themselves to not take the same photographs every single wedding and to like actually step back and and look at the scene and tell the story uh, in the most creative way they can. Awesome. Well, Easton, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners and ultimately adding value to their lives. Uh, It's been a privilege to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.